You're about to hear a life-transforming word brought to you by Trinity Baptist Church, London, an oasis for breakthrough. The focus of Trinity Baptist Church is to see people develop a Christ-like character that impacts our world. Now, prepare your hearts to receive God's word through his anointed servant. And we have been set free. This morning, Father, let any speaking aggressive altar against your people be rendered powerless in the name of Jesus. Spirit of the living God, touch and fill each one of us afresh. Father, I pray this morning that in clarity and in simplicity, I might share your word with your people. In the mighty name of Jesus. And the people of God shall say. My test for this morning is what you are seeing on the screen. From the NIV scripture. Philippians chapter 2 verse 5. Which says your attitude. Should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Let's say it together. Your attitude should be the same. Amen. And from this test this morning, I would want to share with you a message that I have titled, Imitating the Attitude of Christ. And on this note, we'll be looking at four areas as we seek to imitate our Lord and our Redeemer. We will look at imitating his attitude in seven. We will look at imitating his attitude in handling opposition. Then thirdly, we will look at imitating his contentment, his attitude in contentment. <coughs> then we will also look at imitating his positive attitude. Two accident patients in a hospital became friends, totally hurt in that accident. One of them was paralyzed from the back and could hardly lift himself. And the other was also so wounded, but once in every 24 hours for an hour, the nurses, the doctor had given the instruction because that was what the orthopedic surgeon had said. They would lift him up and he would sit down. So the one who could be lifted up for the hour was laid by the window and the other paralyzed patient on the aisle. Only a passage separated the two of them. And any time the one who sat by the window, when he was lifted up that one hour, and when he was laid down again after the hour, the other one, the friend on the aisle would ask him, what did you see? Because for the whole hour, he would only gaze at the window, through the window. He said, ah, I saw the lake. And I saw swans. And today, I saw new swans coming in. And as they sat on the lake, the beauty and, and old people feeding them, this lake is extremely beautiful. Then one day, day after day, he would tell this story. He would just tell 
Every day he had a beautiful story about the lake to tell his friend. Then one day, the one who was telling the story, who was laid by the window, had an unfortunate attack with oxygen. And all what was needed was, was for his friend who laid by him to press his bell and call the nurses to come and just to put the oxygen on him. He didn't. So struggling to gasp for air, he died. So when they came and removed the body, the other guy said, could you kindly lay me by the window? So all this time he was seething with envy and jealousy and bitterness because he thought he should have been the one by the window. So they placed him by the window. Then when he discovered there was nobody in, in there because the rule was that he was not to lift himself up because of his wounds. But when he saw that the nurses were not there, he forced himself and sat on the bed and gazed at the window, only to discover it was just a wall. So all this time, what his friend had done was to develop an attitude by telling stories that would keep the two of them alive. Painting a picture of a world where they could see when they were out of the hospital. But the other one was seething with bitterness and envy. Only for the other friend to die, for him to come to his place to discover that that was not the case. You see, the Greek word for that word, attitude, is a word for nail, which also means to think, which also means the way you regard things, the way you hold an opinion. It, is, it also means the way one sets his mind on something. And it, it also means the attitude you choose to have, to have a certain attitude. The NIV makes it quite clear. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. The New Living Translation says, you must have the same attitude that, that Christ Jesus had. The King James says, let this mind, all translating that same phrenel, the King James says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Why? Because as a man thinketh in his heart, so you see, it is a bad attitude. The International Standard Version says, have the same attitude among yourselves that was also in the Messiah Jesus. Then the last American Standard Version says, have this mind in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Chuck Swindle, one of my great mentors, has written a very beautiful book known as The Tale of Tardy Oscar. And in that book, he writes about the importance of attitude to all and how it applies to all situations in our lives. And in that book, he says, let me quote him, words can never adequately convey the incredible impact of our attitude towards life. The longer I live, Chuck Swindle says, the more convinced I become that life is 10% of what happens to you 
and 90% of how you respond to it. He says in all his life, the more he reads, the more he studies, the more he looks at the wisdom of life, he has come to the conclusion that life is 10% of what happens to you and 90% of how you respond to it. That is why you can put 20 pounds in the hands of somebody and he can turn it around. And you can put 10 pounds in the hands of somebody and he can become a millionaire. It's a back attitude. That is why some are born with so much but achieve nothing. But some are born with nothing but achieve so much. It is a back attitude. I also personally believe that the single most significant decision that I can make on a day-to-day -day basis is my choice of attitude. It is more important than my past. Attitude is more important than my education. Of course, these are the words of Chuck Swindle, and I agree with him. He says, attitude is more important than my bank account. It is more important than my success or failures, fame or pain. He says, attitude is more important than what people think about me. That is their thinking. That's their thought. What do I believe of myself? The, the fact that people say what they say about me does not mean that is what I am. And I should not succumb to them. Who does the Lord say I am? Whose report shall I believe? Attitude will keep you going or it will cripple your progress. Attitude is that which fuels the fire that is in you or it will dash your hope. When my attitude is right, there is no barrier too high for me. There is no valley too deep that I can cross. There is no dream too extreme. And there is no challenge too great. And the Bible says, let the same attitude that was in Christ Jesus be in you. Our attitude is so important that we can choose to see difficulties and become discouraged. Or choose to believe God and know in the midst of challenges that the God of the mountain is the same God of the valleys. And that when I'm in the valley today, I should not look at my circumstance, but trust in the God who is able to lift me out of that mighty clay and put me on the rock to stay. Knowing that the God of the mountain is also the God of the valley. Attitude will make you or unmake you. Many of us, when we were born, especially those of us, from the third world background, our ancestors did so many things without our consent and without our knowledge. And many of us have grown up to realize that these have become Altars that are working and speaking against us. And we see the trend recurring. You can stand in the gap and break it or stand and become unconcerned and say, this has nothing to do with me. A bumblebee fell into a pit. A very deep pit. And you know, a bumblebee can't fly so well, but it believes it can fly. So it always attempts 
And when it fell in, into that pit, it discovered there was no way it could fill. It could fly out of that pit. So those who had dug the pit decided to fill it up. So they started shoveling sand into it. And when they threw the sand and took a rest, this bumblebee would shake itself up, come to the front, and just on top, and just stay there. Then these people would, after the rest, would throw more sand. The bumblebee would just relax beneath the sand, shake itself, and then come up again till the pit was filled. And when that pit was filled, that bumblebee shook itself and walked away. And the workers just marveled at what they saw in that bumblebee. It was an attitude. It, that bumblebee, that little tiny insect, could have said, I will stay down there and die. But it was determined that irrespective of what is thrown at me, I will take advantage of it, rise above it, and live my life. It's about attitude. It is not about what is thrown at you. It is not about how the world is treating you. It is about the choice that you make. And the Bible says, let this same attitude be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. You see, as we look through the pages of Scripture, we discover that against all odds, the saints of old persevered they chose the attitude of Christ and saw him who was invisible. When Job lost his own health after he had lost all that was dear to him, including his children, the wife said to him, how can you serve a God like this? Curse him and die. But Job chose that attitude that I know that my Redeemer is a choice, it's an attitude. In the midst of challenges, you can curse your way out of it or you can confess positively and come out. We see that these apostles, some of them conquered their enemies in battles. Some of them were killed. Some even refused to be delivered because they all chose the attitude to see him who was invisible. And they confessed and made a positive confession. When Joseph was in prison, instead of bitterness, he chose to interpret the dreams of other people. And understand that Joseph, though he was a dreamer, when Joseph went to Egypt, he never dreamt again. All what Joseph did was to interpret the dreams of other people. And by interpreting the dreams of other people, his own dream was fulfilled. Praise the Lord. And that is an attitude. So after he had interpreted in prison the dreams of the butler and, uh, 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 and the baker and told the baker how he, was, he said was going to be taken off and thrown to the breast and how the butler was going to be released, he said to the butler that when you are released, remember me. Genesis 40, 15. He said, for indeed, I was stolen away from the land of, of the Hebrews. And also, I have done nothing here that they should put me in the dungeon. You see, in prison, Joseph had made his mind up. He had chosen the attitude he would not be bitter. And not only was he not going to be bitter, he had chosen the attitude he would not tell anybody what had happened to him. So he tells this butler who he was hoping, even though he forgot him, but God made him remember. 
He told this butler that I was, to, I was stolen away from the land of the Hebrews. But you and I know he was not stolen. His brothers stole him. They sold him. But he made up his mind, I will not become bitter against my brothers. I will not let this thing eat me up in this dungeon. I will make a quality decision. My mind is made up. I have chosen the right attitude that I will live and not die. You will live and not die in the name of Jesus. And doctors will tell you that people of faith in the times when they are very ill, those that are very positive in their God come out. You are coming out in the name of Jesus. When things went hard against David, David made it quite clear. The Lord is my shepherd, therefore I shall not want. If I as a shepherd know how to deliver a sheep from the mouth of a lion and from the paw of a bear, if today the Lord has chosen me and he has become my shepherd, oh, I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd, therefore it doesn't matter. Put me in the cave. Put me in the dungeon. Let a host of soldiers come around me. God is my refuge and strength, a very present help in time of trouble, therefore I shall not fear. Positive attitude. And as we seek as a church to imitate Christ this year, you and I need to choose that right positive attitude and fix our eyes on Jesus. The author and the finisher of our faith, knowing that he is always there, bidding us to break through in the name of Jesus. Know that your attitude will make or break you. It will heal or hurt you. Your attitude will make you friends or it will make you enemies. The truth about some people, they can't keep friends. I hardly break with my friends. Because I, I believe that everybody has strengths and they have weaknesses. And, and there are some friends, they fire the fire that is in you. Everybody needs three types of people in your lives. First, you need those above you. You look up to them. And, and if there's any man I love to read about, it's Billy Graham. And now another man I've come to love is Pastor Enoch Adeboye of the Redeemed Churches. And a book, a writer I love to read about is Chuck Swindoll. These are men who have attained a height that I desire to attain in the name of Jesus. In terms of the callings with which God has called me, God has not called me to fill stadiums. So I'm not asking God to uh, make me fill stadiums. But that which he has given to me as a pastor, I want to become as successful and fulfill my calling as Billy Graham has done in his calling. Is somebody with me. Then that, that is the first group of people you need in your life. Then the second group of people are those who are on the same level with you, your friends. They are the ones who will tell you things as it is. At times it's painful, but they have to tell you. Are you hearing me? Oh, yeah, yeah, you need them. Then you need those beneath you. Those are the ones you are lifting up. But there are some people, they are their own God. They know everything. So they don't look up to anybody. Nobody can advise them. They don't lift anybody up. Everybody needs three kinds of people. 
Your attitude can make you a winner or a loser. It can make you happy or miserable. It can make you a success or a failure. I like what John Maxwell says. The New Living Translation says, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. John Maxwell says, it is the advanced man of our true selves. And the truth about attitude is that it will always advance itself. Its roots are inward, but its fruit is outward. It is our best friend or our worst enemy. It is more consistent and honest than our worst. As for your attitude, everybody, ah, there he comes. It is never content until it is expressed. Then this is what I love about what John Maxwell said about attitude. He says, it is the library of our past. In other words, if there are any books written about you, it is about your attitude, the things you have done in the past, the choices you have made in the past. Then he says, it is the speaker of our present. It is our John the Baptist. Our attitude goes, ah, there, there he comes. The moment they are pointing at you and they are saying, there you can be very careful. Then he says, it is a prophet of our future. The library of our past, the speaker of our present, and the prophet of our future. In other words, if we don't change our attitude, then we are going to become so predictable that our attitude, of course, will become the prophet of our future. So what attitude should we imitate about Christ? Quickly, number one, we must, attitude, we must imitate, imitate his attitude in seven in seven, Let, let's go back to the passage, Philippians chapter two. Dr. Davis did a very sound teaching on humility, so I will not be touching that one. Please do get the tape. But look at verse seven. We must imitate his attitude in seven. The Bible says, but he made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a servant, and coming in the likeness of men. Jesus took upon himself the form of a servant. In other words, he made up his mind to come and serve. Jesus spent his entire life in the service of others with no compensation, very little appreciation, and considerable opposition. He spent his entire time serving others. He is the king who led with the tower. Washing the feet of his disciples. A feat that servants were meant to do. Jesus made it quite clear that I must work the work of the one who sent me. Why? Because the night comes when no man can work. The king who came to serve. Today, in the church, if you are so committed and you serve so much, there are those who are bold to say to you, it's the work for your father. What do you think? Well, you have taken everything upon us. Is there work for your father? Eh? Yes, it's for your father. It's for my father. The reason why I'm sacrificing and doing what I'm doing is that the work is for my father. Are you hearing me? Never let words like that come out of your mouth. Jesus made it quite clear, greater love has no man than this, than that a man should lay down his life for his friends. He served not because of what he was going to get out of us, but his service was selfless and sacrificial. Hmm. 
Jesus did not lord it over those that he came to serve, but he served with humility as a servant. The sad thing today is that service in God's house has become titles. I'm the proconsul, the archbishop general. The very soon, the the charismatic church will be having popes. It won't be long. Now we have archbishops, so we'll be moving to cardinals. And then before we become aware, we are going to have the first charismatic pope. And I will not be surprised at all he will come from Africa. <laughs> because service today has become <laughs> titles and fame and power. But Jesus took upon himself the form of a servant. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom to many. Today there are some leaders you can't even approve. Who are you? You are approaching the leader? Hey, what are you talking about? How? how? Hmm. Tell your neighbor, Lord, have mercy. I believe that the church must develop a fresh attitude. Because as a church, we are confronted with a challenge that is dangerous. We are seeing before our naked eyes radicalization of Islam in our nation. We are seeing before our naked eyes before our naked eyes, the secularization of the United Kingdom. We are seeing before our own eyes the rate at which the young people are leaving the church. Over the past 10 years, over a million young people have left the church and have done all kinds of things. And we are sitting there and we think it's about titles. This is the time to pray for a fresh Elijah anointing. Where we will stand up and declare that let the God that answered by fire be God. We are not calling literal fire from heaven, but we must pray and set holy altars up with prayer. As we stand on the cutting edge of intercessory prayer till the kingdom of our God become the kingdom of our God and his Christ. It is not about position. It is not about title. We must let this attitude that was in Christ be in us. We are called to serve. And each one of us, we are called. To, well, I keep on and I will never stop saying this. One of the things I can never be is to become, in quote, a man of God. When I'm talking about a man of God, I'm talking about a man of God with 20 brief cases. I believe that honor must be given to him. Honor is due. But I also believe the man of God must be accessible. Because look at Jesus. Jesus spoke to children. He spoke to widows. He spoke to prostitutes. He raised the sick. He ra he, Jesus went everywhere. 
one of the things that pains me is when if I have an appointment and then I get another call and have to be all over the places. Because ministry is about seven. Look at Jesus. The winds and the waves obeyed him. When the sea became boisterous, he only stood up and said, Peace be still. And the winds and the waves were calmed. His own disciples in the boat said, What manner of man is this? That even the seas obey him. Yet he washed their feet. Power! But still saved. And that is the kind of attitude that God wants for us as a church. And if we will imitate Christ, and you know, each one of us here must know that every one of us is called to serve. It's not only the pastors. Jesus used the power that was entrusted to him to serve. The challenge that our young people are facing in this generation is enormous. Listen. They are British at school. They are British outside, but when they are at home, they are Nigerians, they are Ghanaians, and they are Jamaicans. And they are caught between these two cultures. How do we organize ourselves and serve them in a way that it will not be said that, and there arose another generation which did not know the Lord. We do that by serving them with fear and respect. Else, new age will be stealing our children. Because at times, and, and personally, there is no way I'm going to change the way I pray. Because that's what I know. But, I must also know and understand that I must create means for the young people and, and, and stop measuring their spirituality but teach them what is right and know that they are able to discover God if I teach them the fear of the Lord right from the beginning. You know, at times the way we do things, it drives them away. And the West Indian church now has woken up to discover that they are only left with old people. And the old people are women because the men also left. And all their young people have left the churches. And either the African majority churches rise up and change their attitude and serve well or die in the next 30 years as the West Indian churches. And there is no in-between. That is why I strongly believe we must have a very strong youth service a very strong young professional and encourage those that they listen to and push the ministry forward so that when our days are done and we are gone, there will be a vibrant Trinity Baptist Church that rises up not only to fill the gap but takes their nation for Christ in the name of Jesus. We must imitate his attitude in seven, but secondly also we must attitude we must imitate his attitude of handling opposition, challenges and opposition. Look at verse 8. The verse 8 says, And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself 
and became obedient to the point of death, even the death on the cross. What we see here is that Jesus chose the attitude of obedience. And the truth about challenges and opposition is that whichever way you look at it, they will come. And 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 23, the NIV says, When they held insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. Hey, when they reviled him, the king of kings and the lord of lords. The one who speaks and the waves are calmed. They insulted him and the Bible says he opened not his mouth. Today. Hey. When the Samaritan, you see, Jesus was passing through a Samaritan village. And because his face was set towards Jerusalem, they wouldn't accept him. They wouldn't just accept him because his face was set as somebody who was passing through. Then the sons of Bonigaras, James and John said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them? Just as Elijah did. You know what Jesus said? Jesus rebuked them and said, Don't you know what spirit you have received? For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. Are you hearing me? Today, some pastors strongly believe that they are so powerful and all what they should do is to curse. May the Lord deliver you from any curse that has been spoken over your life in the mighty name of Jesus. I stand in the gap and I relieve you from every curse in the name of Jesus. And you see, the words are so powerful that when Balak hired Balaam to go and curse the children of Israel, Numbers 23,000, the angel of the Lord literally had to Hand in the gap and block the path of Balaam and for God to put his words in the mouth of Balaam. Why? Because words are powerful. But Jesus says in the midst of challenges the commandment that I have received of my father is that I lay down my life and I pick it up again. Can I have the water? Yeah. I, 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 I want I, yeah. No, don't pour it. Just the bottle. Just the water. That one. This, what is this? And a bottle of water. Okay. So, and this is the what? Okay. So I'm, I'm covering it loosely. And I'm shaking it. What? What did you see coming out? I'm wet all over. The question I want to ask you: Why did the water come out? Because the lead was what? Okay, who else? Any other suggestion? Because I shook the bottle. Okay. Let me give you four answers and you choose one. The water came out because the lead was loose. The water came out because I shook the bottle. The water came out because I applied gravity. The water came out because it's none of the three. Come on. Eh? Because I shook it. Eh? None of the above. Oh. Okay. The, 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 the answer 
is none of the above. The water came out because there is water in the bottle. Are you hearing me? Because if I put oil in, you see, understand that in life, when you are shaking, when you are under pressure, when pressure is applied to you, what comes out of you is what is in you. Are you hearing me? It's as simple as that. The only reason water came out, the, the issue is not about the shaking. It's about what, it is what was in the bottle that came out. If oil had been in this, what would have come out would have been oil. So under pressure, what comes out of you is your real attitude. And when Stephen was being stoned and they were saying all manner of things about him, the Bible declares that under that pressure, they looked at him and his face began to shine like the face of an angel. Huh. And on the cross, when all that pressure was placed on Jesus, they spat at him, they insulted him, and they nailed him to the cross. <sighs> Today, I could have seen people calling all manner of things for the heavens and for brimstones to fall on them. But you remember what he said? Father, forgive them. For they know not what they are doing. That is what was in him. And beloved, as we serve God and, and walk with him and, and, and desire to be like him and, and, to, and desire to imitate him and desire to finish well, may the Lord place goodness in us. Amen. When we are shaking, may goodness come out. And I'm telling you, whether you like it or not, opposition is real. When Nehemiah and his people were shaking, the Bible says they chose an attitude for the Bible says they had a mind to work. And because they chose that attitude, that mind for now, mind to work, they rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem in 52 days against every odd of opposition and persecution and ridicule. They built the walls. You will build your walls in the name of Jesus. You will build the walls that are broken down over your family in the name of Jesus. Huh. Look at Peter. Marcus comes to arrest him with, with, with the soldiers from the high priest's office. Takes his knife. And the truth is that there are people walking with you. You don't know what is in their pockets. He pulls a knife and shoo, cuts the ear off. What did Jesus do? Takes that ear, ah, ear, ah, master, and puts that ear back. We must imitate his service. We must imitate the way that, you see, and, and, and many marriages, in your marriage, you must choose the right attitude, the way you talk to your husband. And, and bro, the, the way you handle your wife. You know, the Bible says, a soft answer turns away rough. She says, please, let your words be gentle. If the man comes, especially the unbelieving husband, no matter how angry he is, let the words, because what is in you is the Holy Ghost. And, and one of the fruit that he bears in you is the fruit of gentleness. Handle that man with gentleness. And young man, handle that woman with kindness. And sister, when that man becomes difficult, kill him with your words and your song. Kill him softly with 
kill him softly with that song. You remember that song? So you've all been listening to pop music. All of you. Roberta Flack. Strumming my pain with his fingers. Singing my life with his words. Killing me softly with his words. Words, words. Choosing the right words. I'm, and I'm telling you, words are powerful. Ah. Put him to bed with your words. Ah. Let me go on. Time is not on our side. The third attitude we must imitate. Listen, in this world, there are four levels on which we can all live on. The lowest of the levels is a level where we constantly complain. Always complaining. You know, 1 Corinthians 10, 10 says, the, the Israelites complain so much, nor complain as some of them also complain. 1 Corinthians 10, 10 and were destroyed by the destroyer. God is complaining. But, you see, there is a difference between complaining and telling the truth. And whichever way we look at it, it must never be complaining, but putting up the facts as they are, in love, seasoned with salt. Are you hearing me? And one of the things I have discovered, and it was Ora Roberts, who was praying one day, and he was literally praying for God to kill somebody who was harassing him in his ministry. Or Robert says it himself. So he says one day, and you know those days, he, he was one of the apostles of healing in our generation, in the past generation. So he says he heard an audible voice, and the Lord told him, you are Ora Roberts because of that man. And... It is because of what he does that sends you to your knees. If that man was not there, all right, you won't pray. (laughs) And listen, because God loves us, he will always find every means to help us become corrected. It depends on how it is said. It depends on how we receive it. But I I have made a quality decision that irrespective of what he said, what is it in there? What should I learn out of this? Is somebody hearing me? And, and I've met. Number two, the, the second level on which we can live is those who never give thanks for anything. They take things for granted. I did it by myself. Oh, really? Then the third level are those who thank God for obvious blessings. When things are going well, they thank God. And when things are not going well, then they start complaining like Job's wife. But the highest level is those who give thanks always for all things. This is the attitude that can change your life. Is somebody hearing me? Look, all kinds of things have been said about Pastor Kingsley. Some even said I have built a five-star hotel uh, back in Africa. But uh, in the nation where I was born, I think, uh, I don't know how many five-star hotels we have there yet. But about 10 years ago, I was told I had taken church money and had, I had built one. But so should I just go up? Who said this? You, who said that? Who said that? Hey, what for? You say it. When you say it and say it, uh, you yourself, you'll get tired. 
Because if I were you, all what I will have to do is to take, go back to that country, take the directory, and then go to the registry and find out. In this country, if you want to know the owner of a company, all what you have to do is to Google company house. And it is the same in Ghana. Google and in Nigeria, because these countries were colonized by the British, it is the same system that we operate. So what are Google five stars? Then Google owners. Then you will discover Pastor Kingsley own all of them. Then you can go on the web and spread it. I want my sons to build five-star hotels. But what I want to build is a school and a university. Hallelujah. Glory to God. But Tegle develop his attitude. Imitate, we should imitate his attitude of contentment. I want to finish this message, you know. You see, look at verse 6. Verse 6 says, Who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. Look, whichever way we look at it, we are not the same. Before God, we are all the same. But our talents and our giftings, everything God has given us, is this, it's not the same. It's different. That is why we become a body. Are you hearing me? And, and, and whichever way you look at it, no matter what you do to me, I will never be able to sing like Minister Cheku. Or Caleb, or Benedicta, or all the other singers in the church. Son is my son. And I remember, any time, the last time he was back in Ghana during uh, a worshippers conference, we went to, my son had booked us to go and have lunch at a hotel, the Holiday Inn Hotel. And whilst we sat eating, this group of family will rise up and come, and they will come to Sonny. And then the, the children will pull out their autograph, and he would sign. Then say, oh, can we take a photograph? I was sitting there. <laughs> but they all came to Sonny. Should that offend me? No. Then one of them was very generous when he finished. Oh, pastor, I've been listening to your preaching on the TV. <laughs> The, 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 the reason I'm saying this is that that is the gift God has given to him and they were talking about singing and I'm not a singer. So why should my coat become tight on me? Huh? I should instead thank God that I have a son whom people love. That I have a son like Cheko who can sing the way he sings. Huh? It's about attitude. And there are some people, they can't stand their sons being raised up by God. Ah! And there are even people, when they have a son and the son blesses another person. Ah! One of my pastor friends was telling me that a member of his church bought him a Mercedes, 200. This was about 15 years ago. One of my best friends that I call as a, a brother. Then another one bought him those days. That, that Nizan, how did they call it? The Nizan 4x4. Four four. Eh? No. No, somebody said it. Nizan Patrol. Is, is it Nizan Patrol? I think it's Nizan Patrol. 
he called the boy. He says, let me tell you, no servant can be greater than his master. When they bought you that Mercedes, I thought it was enough. But I want to be honest with you. When that sister also bought you that Pajero, is what I was looking for, bought you that Pajero, I just felt your heels are becoming too long. And, and as if he was kidding, he meant it. And he told you, better watch yourself. The gifts you receive from members of my church. Ah, are the members of your church your possession? What attitude is that? And today we've made the kingdom of God become so odious. I mean, we've made the kingdom envy and jealousy because we are not content. Somebody stands up and sings, all our bones are shaking. Somebody is giving the microphone, he preaches well, everybody is going to him. Oh, my water, where are you? Senior pastor is dying. Because all the praise should be you. One of the biggest, you see, the, I can say this because I'm not a man you find. But one of your biggest problems was succession. And at times, no matter how good a coach you are, if you don't raise, of course, all the, the coaches Ferguson wanted disappointed him. And the only reason, but they are coming up again. Hallelujah. <laughs> but you will never catch Chelsea. It's about succession. And every good leader wants to sit down and see his sons and daughters being raised up by God. Only heavens know what goes through my spirit when the members of the church are preaching. It assures me the church has a future. And there are some ministers. They will travel, they will preach Saturday morning and some of them from the airport straight back to their pulpit. If you are not there, how do you expect the work of the church is not about you? Contentment. A research was conducted by one of the leading universities, Harvard. They took, they, they were just wondering why people of color are struggling. So they took five Caucasians and five black, all top first class students. And they gave them an amount of money to go and invest and start companies. But they were told they should stick together. After 10 years, the Caucasians had doubled what was given to them. The blacks were what they were. Why? They discovered the reason was very simple. When they went, the Caucasians just sat down. Who has what gift? And they chose a leader amongst them. And all the rest followed. The blacks, everybody wants to be a leader. Who should submit to who? So sad. And they use it as a case study to advise. And one of the biggest problems, but the tide is changing in the name of Jesus. And one of the biggest problems is the way we destroy our leaders. They will just destroy you. Tell your neighbor, Lord, have mercy. Oh, say it with me, Lord, have mercy. Come on, let me just finish. I, I, I want to finish. 
The, the last point is imitating his positive attitude. Hebrews 12, 1 and the verse 2 says, looking unto Jesus. No, verses 9 and 11, sorry. Philippians 2, 9 and 11. Therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Because of the way Jesus served, the way he faced opposition and conducted himself, his obedience, his humility, the way he conducted himself, the positive attitude that he chose at the end, that now there is no other name by which any other spirit will bow. And there is power in the name of Jesus. That is the only name that causes the demons to tremble and fear and run away. I've literally seen in deliverance people take off. Running. Go and catch him. Because that spirit doesn't want to be cast out. So it, and, and, and I'm telling you, those guys can run. Come on, tell your neighbor, develop a positive attitude to finish well. Tell your neighbor you will finish well. In the name of Jesus. Great achievers develop the right attitude to be on the top. Don't they don't allow their shortcomings to limit them. It is sad how somebody can be given so little and can turn it around so much. And others can be given so much and at the end they will blow it all away. But I see a people that are developing a positive attitude, understanding. You see, never tell yourself, I can't. Don't let your color limit you. Don't let your race limit you. Don't let your education. It is not about your race. It is not about your education. It is not about the village in which you were born. If I tell you my village, you open your mouth. It is not about my village. It is about what God wants you to become and the attitude that you choose to pursue it. I have made a quality decision. I will not be ordinary in the name of Jesus. Colonel Sanders at the age of 65, now Kentucky Fried Chicken has become an empire. Where he discovered that, that the, he developed the attitude that the best thing he could do in his life was recipes. Chicken recipes. Started selling them from door to door. Today look at him. There is something in you. And the Lord says you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Oh, I'm not hearing you. He says he has come eh, that you will have life and have it abundantly. And also he says he knows the thoughts. He knows the plans that he has for you. They are plans of good and not of evil. To give you up. To give you an expected end. I see you rising up. I see your attitude changing. I see you rising to the top in the name of Jesus. Age will be no barrier. Because that which God desires to do with your life, no man can stop it. There is no sorcery that can stop it. There is no enchantment that can break it. There is no altar that can speak against you. But you rise up and see what God has made you. Understand that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. May the Lord put you at the top and make you great. In the mighty name of Jesus and the people of God shall say, Amen and Amen and Amen. Let's pray. Let's pray.
Precious Father, this morning we honor you for your faithfulness. We thank you for your word, which is life. I pray, my Lord and my God, that as a family, your hand will continue to be strong over us. Teach us to fear you. Teach us to love you. Teach us to trust you. In all things, O oh God, may we honor and trust you. Teach us, help us to change our attitude and to see that in every challenge there is a message and that after every tunnel there is light. Strengthen us in the mighty name of Jesus and the people of God shall say, Amen. Glory to God. Amen. At this time we'll bring our tithes and our offerings to him, to the Lord. And we are doing that in the knowledge of the Lord that we have come to know and to serve. Believing that God is a God who loves a cheerful giver. And I pray that in our giving this morning, we will be giving from our hearts. Hallelujah. Oh, are you here today? Are you with me today? Amen. Amen. And shall we pray. Precious Father, this morning, as we bring our offerings to you, I pray, my Lord and my God, that you will touch every heart, that our giving this morning will be honoring to you. In the mighty name of Jesus, and the people of God shall say, Amen. God's Word, brought to you by Trinity Baptist Church, London. We pray that this word will impact your life in a tremendous way. You are welcome to share your testimonies, prayer and counselling needs with us. Do visit us or write to us at Trinity Baptist Church, 2 Thornlaw Road, West Norwood, London, SE 27 OSA or call 0208 766 Thank you and remain blessed.